Hi there, and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Hey, church, why don't you take your seats? How are you going? Good, that's good. Hey, I, I don't know what your, what your week has looked like or your day has looked like today. We live in a chaotic world, we know that, but it, it does feel a little bit, whoop, am I all right? It does feel a little bit like the world is a bit more chaotic than usual at the moment, right? From, from the other side of the world, right to our doorsteps and our own homes at the moment. Aren't you grateful that our hope is in the God who is eternal yesterday, today, and forever? And aren't you grateful that we get to do this life with each other, with family in Christ, and that we're not alone? I am. And hey, if you are new with us tonight, we are so glad that you are here. You are so welcome. And if you don't know Jesus, can I just encourage you? He is your hope in this life and the next life. And he wants to know you. He wants to know you. And my prayer is that he would meet you right where you're at tonight, right in your seat, because he has the power to completely change your world. All right, we are going to be encouraged from the word of God. Thank you to the team. God bless you guys. Hey, who drove themselves here to church tonight? Come on, that is a blessing in and of itself, isn't it? I, it took me a really, really long time to get my driver's license. So it was a period of almost three years during which I failed five driving tests. And I spent, I don't even know how many hours of time in driving lessons with multiple different instructors. It was really, it was just a challenge for me, I don't know. And in all of those months and those years that I was struggling and failing and depending on other people for lifts to the point where I started to decide I just didn't even want to go out rather than have to ask someone to come and pick me up yet again, I would constantly be thinking of one thing, of freedom. Freedom was coming for me. There would be a day, one day, where I could just leave the house and go wherever I wanted or wherever I needed. I wouldn't have to coordinate my schedule with anybody else. I wouldn't have to study the like transperth timetable and work it all out down to the minute. I wouldn't have to be embarrassed that my mum was picking me up from something way past the age that was considered to be normal. And I wouldn't have to do that back and forth with people where I wanted to transfer them for some petrol money, but they would say, no, it's fine. But I'd say, oh no, but I really want to. And neither of us would know when to give in to the other. Freedom. For a good three years of my life, the concept of freedom to me was liberation from depending on other people to get me from point A to point B. And I clearly remember the day I finally passed that test and the sense of relief, freedom is a beautiful thing. It says in Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You've come to church tonight to hear this, be free. Jesus has come to set us free. And I, I wonder this evening, do you feel free? Would you consider yourself to be free? For most of us, if not all of us, with our modern Western worldview, our understanding of being free is being free from something. 
right? Free from constraint, free from obligation, free from authority. When I can do what I want, think how I want, live how I want, then I am free. It's the air of moral relativism that we breathe in our culture. Follow your heart. You do you. Speak your truth. Be true to yourself. And as long as you don't hurt anybody, whatever your heart desires goes. The problem with that is this worldview assumes that we can trust our hearts to lead us to true happiness. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Even in children, we can see how our hearts can be deceptive, right? There are good desires in our hearts. We have love and kindness, but there are also bad desires, like the urge a four-year-old has to hit his sister over the head, or the urge an adult has to lie, to self-protect, or to get ahead. Our hearts are complex. Often our desires are contradictory, right? I want to be fit and healthy, but I also want to eat gelato every day, right? Our hearts are easily manipulated by advertising and social media. They are a combination of good desires, reflecting the beauty of being made in the image of God, and warped desires, reflecting the tragedy of being broken by sin. And yet, our culture says, if your heart desires it, it must be good, so go and get it. You know, this worldview actually comes from somewhere, right? It's it's evolved over time. In previous eras, it was thought fitting to never deny God. But today, it is thought fitting to never deny oneself, and we call that freedom. Charles Taylor writes about how we have changed from a culture of authority to authenticity. We once lived by what external structures like God and His Word told us to do, but now we live by what our internal, authentic self tells us to do, and we call that freedom. And this worldview, it can actually be traced back to individuals, postmodern intellectuals, people who Basically, they did not believe in God. They did not believe in a creator and a creation, in a design or intent in the universe. They believed that morality is just a social construct, that there's no deeper purpose to life beyond propagating our species. And so if life is meaningless and there are no eternal consequences, why shouldn't we do whatever we please? And that thinking, it has deeply pervaded the way that we live in the modern world. And so we find ourselves in this culture that says, if you feel it, go do it, go get it be free. And in the West, we consider ourselves to be some of the most free people in the world. However, many of the choices that we make, fully believing that they are of our own free will, just because we can, just because we want to, are actually compulsions. We can't not. We're attached, even if we're not aware of that or we wouldn't admit to it. A couple of years ago, I decided I was going to stop eating fast food altogether. And I really didn't think that that was a significant decision for my life. It wasn't something that I I didn't think I was compelled to eat fast food. I didn't feel like I ate it very often. It was just something I did occasionally that I wanted to stop doing. And so I decided that was that. But it was only then that I realized when I would find myself in a drive-thru without having even thought about it after a really stressful day or an emotionally taxing situation that I had an attachment. You know, we think that so long as no one is telling us what to do, then we are totally free and completely autonomous. And yet, one in 20 Australians have an addiction or a substance abuse problem. One in five Australians suffer from mental illness. More than half of Australians consume more than the World Health Organization's recommended sugar intake. 
One in four Australians drink three or more cups of coffee per day. And the average Australian touches their phone 2,617 times per day. Would we call those people, us, free? I don't know, when we look around at ourselves and each other, how many of us feel the need to project a certain lifestyle to the world? How many of us feel the need to curate an online presence that shows how great our family is or how successful we are or the brands that we would want to be affiliated with? How many of us feel the need to gain and maintain specific relationships? How many of us can't leave the house unless we look exactly right? How many of us find ourselves looking the same things up online again and again and again? How many of us can't control our tongue or our temper when we're stressed or frustrated? How free are we really? Because if freedom really means the liberty from being told how to live and the ability to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, then it would appear that our freedom is actually leading us to enslavement. Psychiatrist Gerald May says, regardless of how a compulsion appears externally, underneath it is always robbing us of our freedom. We act not because we have chosen to, but because we have to. We cling to things, people, beliefs, behaviors, not because we love them, but because we are terrified of losing them. And 2 Peter 2.19 says, They promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Scripture defines anything that has control over us, from an alcohol addiction to our phone, to the need to come across as successful or cool as our master. And that all tracks back to Genesis and the Garden of Eden, where Satan told Adam and Eve the lie behind all lies, that they could redefine good and evil based on their own hearts instead of what God said, and that if they did that, they would be happier, more fulfilled, more powerful. They believed him. They claimed their own autonomy from God. And since that day, every single one of us finds ourselves mastered by sin. So maybe we aren't as free as we think after all, right? Maybe our Western postmodern understanding of freedom is missing the mark. And maybe instead of just absorbing the cultural air that we breathe, we should look to scripture and to the word of God to find out what freedom actually is. So we read this before, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So we read that freedom is good, it is from God, but what does it look like? We pick up in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. This is a completely different definition of freedom than what we think, right? Not freedom from something, not constraint, not freedom from constraint, or freedom from obligation, or freedom from authority. Instead, freedom for something. 
freedom for a life lived by the word of God, a life lived for others, a life that is rich and blessed in all the ways that we forget about, peace, joy, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, and all the ways that God intends for us. See, Scripture defines freedom not as autonomy from authority, but autonomy to choose good, to choose life, to choose God, to choose people, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we choose through our own will to come under His external authority, and we trust that His authority is not oppressive, but it's the thing that will bring us true happiness, true contentment, and real freedom to our lives. Freedom for something. Timothy Keller says, freedom is not what the culture tells us. Real freedom comes from the strategic loss of some freedoms in order to gain others. It's not the absence of constraints, but it's choosing the right constraints and the right freedoms to use. You know, it's probably not the first thing that comes to our mind when we think of Jesus, but Jesus was an incredibly free person. The Oxford theologian Michael Green says, in this age that values freedom more than anything else, Jesus confronts us as the most liberated man who ever lived. He was so free that he was able to choose to give his life for you and me. He wasn't held back by anything. He lived a perfect life on the earth. He didn't inherit a sin nature like you and I did. And when he was tempted, he chose not to sin. He wasn't enslaved like you or like me. And so after living a perfect life, he chose to die in your place and my place on the cross. When they buried him, he was buried with all of the sin and the shame and the brokenness that enslaves us. And when he was resurrected three days later, he defeated all of that sin and shame and brokenness for good. He made salvation available to us. That was not the choice of an enslaved person. That was the choice of one who is truly free. And because of his choice, that freedom is now available and accessible to us. We can't earn it. We can't willpower or meditate or self-actualize our way to it. But we can receive it and walk in it if we want to. If we want to. The truth is that most of us often make choices to settle for less than the freedom that is available to us. Because we don't want to let go of the things that enslave us and grab onto Jesus with both hands. The greatest impede on your freedom and my freedom is slavery to our own flesh. The scripture talked about it. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And the word flesh here doesn't mean flesh is in like our body, but it means the desires in our hearts that have been warped by sin. The desires we have that come out of deception and brokenness. The number of times I have known that it is adding zero to my life to keep scrolling, but I just haven't been able to stop right? I might call that, oh, I spend too much time on Instagram, or haha, I'm addicted to my phone, or I might call it nothing because it's just how I live and I'm not even aware. But scripture calls it slavery. You know, we think that we are free, but in reality, we are enslaved to sin. St. Ignatius defines sin as my unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. And this is how many of us live. Yes, I know God's way is the best way, but deep down I'm not convinced that if I don't give everyone else's way a shot, I'm going to miss out. I won't miss out. Or yes, I know God's way is the best way, but I'm not willing to put everything it will take to actually live that out. What if it ends up not being worth it? Or yes, I know God's way is the best way, but surely I can just get to that when I'm good and ready and just do my own thing for now. What do I have to lose, right? So let's illustrate it. Living in pursuit of freedom from God rather than freedom for God is a little bit like jumping out of a plane with a broken parachute. 
There's a couple of different ways that this can go, but ultimately it ends in death. So let's take scenario one. You jump out of the plane. You suddenly realize that your parachute is broken. It's terrifying. So you are, you aware, you're aware of what's happening. You have this awful and scary descent to land, and then it ends in death, right? Scenario two, you jump out of the plane, but for some reason you don't quite understand how skydiving works. You're not sure what's going on, so you're not aware that yours is broken. You think that this is just how skydiving is supposed to be. Maybe you're even having a great time. Free falling is the best thing ever, but eventually it ends in death, right? In both scenarios, you miss out. In both scenarios, you don't get to experience the real thing. Maybe you know that you're missing out. Maybe you're oblivious. But regardless, you miss out and it ends in death. It's the same when we pursue freedom outside of God, freedom from the authority of His Word. Maybe the consequences catch up with you really quickly and you're aware, okay, this cannot be how life is supposed to be. And maybe you're having a terrible time on your way to death. But maybe you're oblivious. Maybe you are having a great time living your life, doing what you want, when you want, with who you want, in pursuit of what feels good to you, and yet you're missing out on true freedom, on freedom for the life that you were actually designed for, the life of closeness with Jesus, of purpose and influence and benefiting others. But when you jump out of a plane with a fully functioning parachute, it's amazing, it's the way it was designed to be, and there is more life at the end of it. Church, a life of freedom in Jesus is rich, it is full, and there is only life and more life to be experienced in Him. So what do we do when we realize, when we understand that this version of freedom that our culture is selling us is false, and that the freedom we find in Christ is what we actually need and what we deeply desire? How do we get this kind of freedom? To be set free for God, truly free, our sinful enslaved selves must be put to death with Jesus buried with Christ, risen with Him, and receive new life in Him. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus saves us, He rescues us, He brings us into His kingdom and gives us a new spirit that is alive to God. The Holy Spirit empowers us and He transforms us and more and more we are able to say no to the things that enslave us and yes to the things that bring us freedom and and the life that God has for us. Um, The band can join me if they like. I know that sounds, it sounds a lot easier than, it sounds a lot easier said than done. Uh, the writer Anne Voskamp tells this story that I'm going to paraphrase a little. So um, imagine, if you will, a huge, massive tropical snake that is larger than the size of a tall man. Very unfortunately, these do actually exist in some parts of the world. And uh, one day, in a, in a tropical jungle, a snake like that got into a woman's home by slithering up the stilts of her house. And the woman sees it. She promptly screams at the top of her lungs, flings herself outside her home, as she rightly should, because she's terrified. And one of her neighbors hears her screaming, so they come over with a machete, calmly walk inside the house, and lop the head off the snake. Now, church, I don't know how much you know about snakes, but they have this odd nervous system and blood flow, which means that even after a snake has its head chopped off and it's completely dead, it can still slither around, which is horrifying. And so... This lady is waiting outside of her home for hours whilst the body of the snake is inside, thrashing about against the walls, the chairs, the tables, the floors, breaking things. But even though she knows that the snake is dead, it can't kill her, she's too scared to go back into her home and get rid of it to save her home from being destroyed. You see, that's the thing about a headless snake. 
It can keep wreaking havoc in our lives until, in a, in a home, until the owner decides to treat it for what it actually is, which is dead. Church, enslavement can only keep wreaking havoc in your life until you decide to treat it for what it actually is, which is defeated. Enslavement is defeated and you are free. This is the truth. Slavery cannot hold you back from the life that God has for you because Jesus paid the price for it with his very own life. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are not enslaved, so don't live like you are. You don't have to come under the culture. You can be free. This invitation is a life of receiving the love of God and then obeying him from that place. It's not rule following. It's a response. Freedom for something. And now this is the reality of life, right? Sometimes getting back into that house and getting rid of a dead snake is a long process. Living a life of freedom for something doesn't happen just as automatically as knowing that you can. We have to commit to a day in, day out process of being loved by God, being transformed by His Holy Spirit and making the kinds of choices that allow Him to work in our lives. And anyone who commits to this journey is going to be on it for the rest of our lives. We might be finding bits of dead snake in our homes for days, weeks, months, years down the track, but the invitation for greater freedom is always there. And freedom that increases and grows with each passing day and month and year of our lives is what should mark the life of a follower of Jesus. It's not about having a perfect life. It's about having a life of increasing freedom for the life that God has for you and for I. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.